Shut up and sit down. By all means, go for it. Have fun. Just leave me alone. People are coming together more and more and more and more as the government has been failing us more and more. I'm against being shitty to people. You can't research your way into understanding somebody. One way or another, I'd rather have the fight now. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Fight for Liberty show. Tonight, we have an awesome show for you guys. Somebody that I have been excited to talk to for a while, a rising star in the Liberty podcasting world. But before we get to him, I want to tell you guys about a new product from my friends over at nugofknowledge.com. We talk about them almost every show. I'm going to talk about them again because we have this awesome new uh, Cannabis Rescue Blend CBD Honey. It is uh, 100% natural, uh, organic uh, honey. It mixed with CBD, so it's a perfect way to get your medicine into uh, some delicious snacks, whether you're putting it in your tea or your coffee or whatever, uh, putting it on some toast. It's a great way to, to add that relaxing medicine into your day. As always, if you use promo code UNITE, you can get 10% off your first purchase and help support the guys over at FSM like myself. And we would really appreciate that. So again, go on over to nugofknowledge.com, use promo code UNITE and, uh, and get to relaxing. But now, uh, the moment you guys have all been waiting for, the person you actually came here to see, uh, he is the host of the Cajun Libertarian, co-host of the Cajun and Eskimo show from Bayous to Igloos on Muddied Waters Media. My friend, Noel, welcome to the show. What's up, my friend? How are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Very excited to be here. I love what you got going on and uh, amazing show. I just saw your intro. Wow. Freaking thank you. Stars. <laughs> I had a lot of fun making that intro. Uh, just going back through some of those old episodes. It was a good time. Yeah, I can imagine. I uh, need to learn how to do that. So maybe we need to sit down together and do some cutting and editing. Oh my gosh, that took me intro that like 35 second intro literally took me an entire weekend. I'm so bad at video editing, but I just like I sat there and I just like had a had an ADHD like tunnel vision moment and just like went crazy. I didn't get up from my chair for like six hours, just completely worked through lunch and forgot to eat. It was, uh, it was a good time. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that on so many levels. Mm -hmm. So many levels. Yeah, yeah. Good intro video. A lot of people in there. Um, I you actually gave me a bunch of ideas to to find out who I need to invite on the show next. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a good time so far. Uh, I'm, I'm loving, loving the show and I'm glad to have you on. Yeah. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I always like to start off the show with a little bit of your, your kind of like Liberty testimony. So I'm curious, like, when was the first time that you heard the term libertarian and was it in a positive or a negative context? <laughs> Okay, that's a, actually a great question. Um, <clears throat> the first time I heard libertarian was probably a while back, and I heard it in a neutral manner. I did not hear it in a positive or negative. It was just uh, as I got into politics, 
and started exploring opportunities, that, that party rose up. I mean, obviously, we are the third largest party. So when you're exploring outside of the duopoly, the first thing that's going to come to your mind is libertarian and then Green Party mm-hmm. and Constitutionalist Party, uh, a lot of traditional standing parties. But that's where literally it was very neutral. Like, okay, so what is this? And then I started going down that rabbit hole, you know, and and then it it doesn't take us long, right? Once we come to a certain spot, uh, we see, okay, look, this is something I can get behind. We are obviously failing in our governmental um, society, I guess, if that's the right terminology. Uh, We're failing there big time. And so I need another option and landed at the Libertarian Party. It was very neutral understanding and it was just easy to find easy to agree with that's awesome you're uh you're that's a pretty rare story i feel like mm-hmm. i don't i don't know a whole lot of people that were just like oh let's go look around at some politics and just kind of stumble mm-hmm. upon us that's uh that's actually really cool. uh i i learned a, an interesting tidbit to my uh libertarian testimony that just makes it so much funnier to me. I was talking to my dad the other day uh, because he was the person that actually told me about Gary Johnson during the 2016 election. And he told me that he was getting so annoyed with me complaining about Trump and Clinton and Sanders that he just told me about this other person that he thought I would like to shut me up. (laughs) That's nice. Didn't work so well for him because uh, now I don't shut up about politics ever, and it's my entire life. So thanks, Dad. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, give, let me give you an interesting story that I've told uh, several people, but I don't know how many people know. I was raised in a very Christian conservative household, and I'm still very Christian. Uh, I have some conservative values. Not in the sense that we know conservatism in 2021, but in the more way back conservatism. But um, but I was never raised Republican. And that throws a lot of people off, right? Because you automatically want to link, oh, my God, Christian conservative, absolute diehard Republican GOP. No, no. My parents are both. They're they're both, of course, they're divorced and they've been divorced since I was two. Both are conservatives, both are Christian, both are constitutionalists more at their core than they are anything else, but they're not Republican. They will vote whoever they believe to be the best party, to be the best member, specifically on local levels. And so I think a lot of that translated to my transition into the Libertarian Party. It was very easy transition. I didn't have to fight a bunch of mental hurdles that a lot of us have to deal with throughout life, being raised Democrat or being raised Republican. I didn't have to fight that because my parents didn't raise me a Republican. I was raised in more of an ideology than a political party worship setting. And that's very important because I think that's what we fight more than anything else today is not that we're fighting ideology, but that we're fighting a new religion and that's government worship. I'm probably ranting a little bit here, but that's a very, I'm very passionate about this because it's very, I, I feel like it's very mm-hmm. odd to be raised in that environment, yeah. but not raised Republican or not raised Democrat if you're on the opposite, opposite side of the aisle. 
Um, yep. And so that libertarian was very easy to fall into. My dad, who's a staunch uh, blue, blue all the way, blue guy, uh, not blue. Sorry, I'm blue lives matter. I was not trying to say that. Right. Uh, he's a very staunch cop supporter. Yeah. Um, but he did not vote for Trump in 2016. He voted for the constitutionalists. My mom voted for Trump twice. But she was never like, and still to this day is like, yeah, I mean, I, I like a lot of what he does, but he's all right, I guess. She's not one of the crazy ones. No, not at all. She watches mm -hmm. almost all my shows. She asks questions big time. We've gotten, and I don't want to get too far off in the rabbit, or you tell oh. me what to do, you know, it's your, it's your Go house. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> we got into a conversation a couple of weeks ago about anarchism. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, yeah. We, as a very staunch conservative, we got into that Ooh. yeah, conversation about anarchism. And I was honestly surprised by when I, we started that conversation. I immediately wanted to say anarchy is not what's portrayed on MSM. But mm -hmm. she beat me to it. She beat me to it. And I'm like, well, damn. <laughs> what, 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 what am I going to explain to you right now? And we did get into a lot of it. But she automatically knew. Number one, anarchy is not complete chaos with a bunch of idiots running around burning down buildings. That is not anarchism at all. And she knew that right out of the gate. So I was very impressed with that. I don't know why my mom's very sharp. But, you know, in our, our world, the duopoly world, uh, mm -hmm. that's, you know, you expect the answer of, yeah, you, you, you talk to anarchists, you consider anarchy on any level at all. That's just chaos. I'm like, yep. Nope. No, it's not. No, it's not. Mm -hmm. But I didn't have to go down that. What I had to go down was uh, the respecting of individual rights on a moral basis versus being enforced uh, by coercion mm -hmm. in government with a gun in your face. And so that was a very interesting conversation that I had right. with her. This happened literally just a couple of weeks ago. And I was very excited. We ended the conversation with, you know, there's some things that she's just not going to be on board with. And that's okay. okay. That's fine. The fact of the matter is, is that uh, I was raised in a household that's very open-minded. My mm -hmm. dad's very, very strict constitutionalist, very pro-cop, but he's also pro-sex work, even as a Christian. He's also pro-cannabis decriminalization or legalization. So it's a, I, I grew up, I think, in a very odd paradigm. My dad and I still fight all the time about politics because <laughs> we just not kids. But yeah. to, to, I want people to hear that there are still boomers out there. And I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. I mean that in the actual definitive sense of their yeah. age range. But not every boomer is like that, even if they are at this point. Like Trump was one of the best presidents ever, even though he didn't vote for him in 2016. It, he's still a very pro-Trump guy. He's still a very cop, mm -hmm. pro-cop guy, but he's still very pro-libertarian and yeah. it's, it's just kind of a weird paradigm to live in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like I, I was raised fairly similarly. I was raised to, like, respect the government and, and you know, taxes because that's the law. But, you know, like, avoid We may have lost David. Taxes. There he is. 
And he's gone again. David, I don't know if I can hear you, but I cannot. You are froze up. You're actually in a very good screen right now. It's a perfect shot for a screenshot. So I'm going to go ahead and take this really quick. We're going to do it like this. Oh, and he's gone. And he's back. There we go. <laughs> All right. You almost you almost had to run my show like uh, like Nick had to run yours. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Every fucking time. Uh, but yeah what a, jesus christ uh what i was saying was you know they they raised me to to like tr uh, respect but avoid government like whether it's cops or taxes or whatever you know it's like it's you know we respect the troops we march in the memorial day parade we we you know nod to cops when we walk by them and and they're heroes but you know if you can avoid interacting with a cop that's probably best you know you you don't call the cops right away. I mean, we, we like, we got our house broken into once when I was probably like 13 or 14, we were out to dinner, came home and the, the front door was open and, you know, it didn't, nothing, nothing was really missing. Uh, we, we think that they were there. Like when we, we drove in, we kind of like scared them off because the back door was open too. So it, we think that like, they didn't have a chance to really grab anything, but like, we didn't call the fucking cops. Like, right. Not, nothing was really missing. Like a bunch of my friends would have still called the cops and just just to alert the police that there was someone in the, in the area that was thinking about doing a crime. But like you know, we didn't consider ourselves victims, so therefore we didn't consider there to be a crime. Like and, and there were no police involved, and so I was I was raised. I feel like very similarly, and I'm proud to proud to say that both of my parents and my sister voted for Gary, Larry Sharp, and then Joe Jorgensen. So nice. I, I've I turned all three of them. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Uh, no, uh, I could not sway them into voting Dr. Joe Jorgensen in the past election. Uh, they did fall in the trap of this is the greatest election of our lifetime. And mm -hmm. to everyone that falls into that, honestly, I, I believe this to be an almost 100% fact. We're living a life of propaganda, right? Mm -hmm. We've been red pilled, and I so apparently that's too cliche of a term, and I guess too relative towards the or quote unquote relative towards the Republican Party. That's not what we mean. Red pill is waking up to the nonsense, mm -hmm. and um, so it's a little bit easier for us to to move on through some of that propaganda. Some people just have a harder time with it. I really looked at them as victims at this point. Yeah, yeah, and that it, it's a better it's a better way to look at it because then you're not you're not hating people for having these opinions, which is how I feel like a lot of people, even libertarians, you know, fall into the trap of like we get really agitated, and I do it too. You know, this is completely hypocritical rant I'm about to go on, but we get we are really agitated when when people just don't get it. And, you know, I was having a conversation with a guy uh, about two weeks ago where he said um, we were talking about the possibility of a Fed infiltration in the LP. And he literally said that the uh, the U.S. intelligence uh, apparatus doesn't interfere at all in, in domestic elections or politics because there's laws against that. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, how do you respond to that without right. telling them they're flat out wrong? Right. I mean, I, I, I mean I, you know, we could cite many, many, <laughs> many cases where that's just wrong. Right. It's and it's just like you're you're really. What do you mean? There's laws against that. You think the feds don't break the laws? Like every day. What? Uh, yeah, and I was I was just kind of dumbfounded. And so you know, when you get into situations like that, it's really hard to not just like snap at them and just be like, "You fucking blue pilled motherfucker! You yeah. just wake the fuck up! Like, get your ass out of like." just get your shit together. Like how have you not been paying attention? You're 30 something years old and you haven't seen this yet. And I, I like, it's really easy to just unleash, but you're right. You know, they're, they're a victim of some really heavy brainwashing that we all went through. Yeah. Intentionally. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No. Uh, yeah. I've just, to talking to people the last couple of years about some of the like the really like some of the more awful stories about like you know like the uh the Tulsa massacre or or like the the bombing in Philadelphia the the move school like Tuskegee experiments like those those kinds of stories and it's crazy how many grown fucking adults even people that have been like active in politics or considered themselves history buffs or history nerds or like you know i i myself like i aced history i've never gotten less than an a in history all through high school college everything like i fucking love history it was my favorite subject and i still didn't know about any of that shit until after i was out of school and it's like it's really fucking concerning yeah and uh concerning on a level that should, I would hope, quest make everyone question whether or not they just, they should send their children to public school, because we will not. And mm-hmm. there's a reason for that, and really, quite what you just said, David, is a reason for that, because you're getting fed a lot of propaganda mm-hmm. that is not going to be taught historically correct. It's not historically accurate, and the reason that is taught inaccurately is to push a certain propaganda. I just keep yeah. using that word. I'm trying to avoid that word, but I can't get away it's from it. the best word for it. <laughs> yeah. And I was even homeschooled, but wow. the curriculum that I That's used right. was, uh, or for, for the majority of like high school, actually the two curriculums took up the majority of my school. Like both of them were written in Florida Uh, you know, fairly like Christian conservative curriculum. So, you know, like I was learning, I was like, you know how you do like the diagrams in English class where you have to like put the sentences on all the weird lines and the weird shape. Like I was doing that with Bible verses in English class because like that's, that's the kind of like curriculum that I use. So it was exceptionally patriotic. And the only the, the one piece of that curriculum that was kind of cool, and I'm, I'm sure you can actually identify with this, is uh, the learning about the Civil War. Yeah. Because, like, I'm from New York, so all, you know, the the entire culture around that was, you know, like, like we won. Right. Like, like you just you just think about that, like America won. But but in the north, it's doubly true. It's like it's like we won like like that. That was a war that we won. And it's and it's completely different coming from a place where they're like patriotic and American. And so they still teach like 
we won, like the union won, but it technically wasn't them. And it just, it was the only kind of perspective shift that I got from being homeschooled was having a Southern curriculum, teaching about that. Everything else was pretty much kind of run of the mill, you know, omissions of, of all of the important pieces of history. You know, I didn't learn about Waco. I didn't learn about Ruby Ridge. I didn't right. learn about any of that shit. Yeah, of course not. Uh, they're not going to put that in the curriculum. So that falls on the parents. And again, that's why it's for me personally, it's very important that whatever content that you won't push to, to your children, whatever, dare I say, narrative, which I would hope that if we're falling under the libertarian umbrella of ideologies would be the factual and honest umbrella, the, the correct narratives, the actual truth. Uh, a lot of that needs to be taught by the parents. There's no better way to do that. Even if your kids are in public school, it's still our job. I got three kids. It's still my job that I teach them the actual way, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the actual truth and the facts of what it is that our government has done. And that's not me pushing politicization to my children. That's me making sure that they understand the culture and the environment that they live in. So I want to make that clear. It's not it's not going to fall on the fact that I want my kids to vote libertarian or vote at all because I'm not a voter. I voted twice in my life, once for George W. Bush when I was 18, because that's what my parents did. <coughs> and the, <laughs> right. Uh, I was embarrassed to say that, but I feel like I'm pretty OK. I'm like not culpable for that decision. Yeah. Um, I voted for Chuck Schumer in my first election, so don't. There we go. Don't worry. <laughs> and that was with Gary. Like I already, I was a registered libertarian and still was stupid enough to vote Chuck Schumer. Oof! And that guy's still running. He's still ticking. Yeah, the second Oof. time I ever voted in my life was Joe Jorgensen and Spike Owen. And so yes. I'm not a voter. If you don't want to vote, I let, let me say this real quick. I am a veteran. I am. What I would consider patriotic in the sense in definition of the term that I believe to be true. Uh, your right to vote is your right to make that decision. It's not about people died for you so that you could vote. No, people died and this country has gone through significant growing pains for the freedom that we used to have and the limited freedom that we have now so that you had a choice. You don't have to, but I don't co-sign co somebody I don't believe in. And when the next election comes around in 2022, I will vote for the people that I actually believe in. That I put a lot of honor in co-signing my name to someone mm -hmm. else that is going to pass legislation on the other citizens, brothers and sisters that live in my community. That's a very important thing to me. If I don't believe in them, then I'm not going to go vote. That's me. You do what you that. Yeah. That reminds me of that. Uh, there was a cartoon that went viral for for a couple of years where, uh, you know, it's a, like a teacher in a classroom and everyone's standing and to, with like their hand over their heart. And one kid's like sitting down with his feet up on the desk. And there's a there's a vet in a wheelchair. And the teacher says, you know, it's it's fine if you don't want to stand. But uh, let me introduce you to someone who can't because he was fighting for your right to stand and like that that went viral for like i saw that go around quite a while until there was another one that came out with a second like picture of it where the vet answers and was like actually i can't stand for his right not or to not stand That's and right. and yeah it's like 
I come, I wasn't in the military, but my entire family was, I'm like the first male in like eight generations to not go into the military. And so I, I grew up like very like, you know, like I said, marched in all the Memorial day parades. Like I used to try my dad's Marine uniform on all the time. And like, was, was completely gung ho to to go do that thing. And then, thank God realized I didn't want to do that. And <laughs> yeah, I would, uh, I would strongly advise anybody that's uh, watching the show right now that's considering joining the 2021 United States military. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> don't. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was talking to my dad about that today, actually, because there, there was a part of me, especially probably like two or three years ago, where I, I was really regretting having not gone in because I was, you know, I, I'm bad at, I have very bad, like, self-discipline skills. And, you know, I, I haven't had, like, the best workout regimen since I got out of high school. And, like, you know, there there's just a lot of things of my life where there's not structure where there would have been had I gone into the military and gone out and gotten out. And, like, you know, a lot of my friends went in and, and are now out and, you know, there's just like a culture of self-discipline that you can't avoid being ingrained into you if you go into the military, that I just avoided. And I have not had, and it's one of my least favorite things about myself. So there was there was a chunk of time there where I was like, I should have gone in and actually considered going in at like 21 when I finished running for city council. I was like, maybe I'll go into the Marines. And then I, again, uh, life, life happened and I, I avoided that decision and I'm still very thankful for that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God. Because uh, you're not walking into the military that we used to have. And I don't even look, I'm just going by the history that I believe the military that we used to have, which is probably very swayed. All I can tell you is the military that I was in and I enjoyed very much. I, I did. I enjoyed it a lot on certain levels on other levels. It still had a very damaging effect and probably on a lifelong scale, but that's where we're at. And so I would strongly, I don't want to go too far off into that. I'll get you banned. But <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, I mean, yeah. I had Shane Hazel on here a couple weeks ago. So he, he, he went on the murder cult rant for a good 10, 15 minutes. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So well, um, good. No, no need to beat that, that drum again. Uh, Shane uh, probably knows more than I, I saw that he was a Marine Corps vet. I was a Navy corpsman. So mm-hmm. for those of you that don't know them, the Marine Corps do not have their own medical personnel. The Navy provides a form and we're, we're called corpsmen. And that was the division that I decided to go into was to go, Hang out with the Marine Corps, wear a Marine Corps uniform and all that. And I absolutely loved it. I thought it was great. There were certain elements that I could take away a lifetime and, and be grateful for. And the camaraderie, the discipline, certain things of that nature. I'd say most of it, probably not so much. But mm-hmm. if I can, I would like to answer this question real quick. And then we can go back to whatever you want to do. Uh, Perla it. says, does your dad agree with Q? Hmm. No, hate. I think that's that's QI. So I'm thinking qualified immunity. Oh, 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 oh! I'm sorry. I thought he was talking about Q, or she was talking about Q. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I can't get him to move off of QI. I've tried. Mm -hmm. I've tried. This is a dead subject at this point. 
I've tried <laughs> desperately. He's got cops that are like super good friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that one. That was a, a, a tough one for me too. Uh, I got so growing up, my my best friend's dad was a cop, and and that person's best friend was one of my closest mentors, and he was also a cop. And so growing up, like I was. I was really pro police and like, just because the cops in my, in my own town, I thought we're all good guys. And, you know, I knew like half the police department and we actually had a, a pretty decent sized police department in my hometown, even though it's really small, which is one of the reasons why I hate cops now is because it's, it's an over policed like little white trash town. And, uh, the, the moment where it really shifted for me was I, I went to, I went to court knowing that I had a warrant out because I had missed my court date like a week prior, but I know, but I had like, I talked to the, I had like called the court and they said, if you just come in, you know, we'll just put you in, you know, won't be a, won't be a thing. You know, you show up, obviously we're not going to like come get you on this warrant. So I was like, okay. Um, so I showed up and I go into the courtroom. They tell me I'm not on the list and I have to go talk to the clerk. I go talk to the clerk and she calls an officer over and they take me downstairs and put me in a holding cell for two and a half hours and then publish it in the paper, like in the, the police re record or recorder or whatever the fuck it's called that they like publish out to the public that they like arrested me on a warrant and like, patted themselves on the back real quick there for a, uh, for an arrest that they had, they had gone and found me at their own police department. And like, it literally had their address in the, in the report. Like, like we found them on a warrant at our address. And yeah, I sat there in a holding cell for two and a half hours before I was able to go back up, pay my fine and, and get it taken care of. It was a, it was a fucking like headlight ticket that I had just not paid. But the person one of my closest mentors for multiple years like all of like junior high most of senior high uh we taught at our wednesday night church group together for a while um you know i taught his kids when they moved on into the next class and it was like really close with this guy was there like saw me in the holding cell i explained to him the situation and there was nothing that he could do to to help and nothing that he would do to help and you know i just still sat there for another hour after i talked to him and i was like if that's what this system does to people like people that i love and respect and and would die for that that they are just that shitty to people when they have the uniform on i i understand all, why people say all cops are bastards yeah um i have a very excuse me I have a very bitter relationship with the police force, which is something that I, or law enforcement, which is something I'm actually trying to work on myself for mental health reasons and for my own spirit. I'm trying to get past that. I'm trying to view each individual law enforcement agent uh, as a person and not a collective. So mm -hmm. I try my best to stay away from ACAB, but I have a very destructive history in relationship with Police. I won't give you all of the stories, but I've got several I've talked about on Clubhouse that are probably drastically more brutal 
than the, than the vast majority of people that have walked this earth. And so I struggle, I struggle. I'm trying, I'm trying to be a better human being mentally sound, spiritually sound when it comes to people of any demographic. It doesn't matter. I, I, my whole mindset is I want to get away from any sort of collectivism at all and view each mm-hmm. individual human as a human, whether they put on that ridiculous costume and act like dicks. No, no, sorry. Nope. If you act like a dick, you're out. You're there out. You and I had one this morning and yeah, I corrected him pretty quickly and he put his head down and he walked away. I was, I was very, of course I wasn't under arrest or anything mm-hmm. like that. It was just, uh, I take care of some apartment complexes and, I park my truck in the same place each time I make my cycle through certain complexes. And I park my truck there that time. He you know, just so happened that he decided to back out of his garage and my truck was in the way. He acted like an asshole. And so I told him, don't get an attitude with me. I just told you I was moving the truck. Don't be a dick. And he put his head down and he walked off. Then he went to the manager's office to tell the manager of the apartment complex what I just said. And so I immediately jumped in the truck. I took the gun out of my waist that I illegally conceal carry with, uh, intentionally illegally conceal carry with. I put it in the truck and I ran into the office so that I could be there while he tried to wrap me out. And then he did not <laughs> because these little assholes don't want that sort of confrontation. They just trip on these powers. And right. yeah, I'll stop there because again, I'm working on me. I'm working on yeah. me. That's good. <laughs> I've That's got good. Far worse stories than that, but that happened this morning. That's a real story. That happened yeah. on Clubhouse. I was on Clubhouse when that happened. <laughs> so everybody got to watch it live. And I am sorry that y'all heard me talk to that dude that way, but I am not. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I had a I had a fun little moment over the weekend, and it wasn't even real cops. It was the fucking. Uh, casino security guards at the Michigan convention, but they had, they had all their buttons and pins and badges. And they were really trying to look as much like cops as they possibly could. Uh, but me and my girlfriend were, uh, we were on our way out and, and she had a bottle of fireball that uh, we were told we knew before we were, we went on this little uh, adventure to try to find car keys. Um, we knew that the that we couldn't bring that alcohol into onto the casino floor because uh, we passed somebody in the hall that told us that. But it was fine on the hotel side, uh, so that that was completely okay. We were not going to get in trouble for that. So we left the bottle actually with Karen Ann Harlos, who was sitting in the lobby. Uh, we were like, "Hey, you can hold on to that." Uh, left our bags there too, because um, and went into the casino. And we had like five of the security guards like swarm us to yell at us for bringing alcohol onto the casino floor. And they were like, well, we were told you had a a liter of fireball. And we're just like, I just like opened my jacket and she opens her purse, which is like fucking this big, not big enough to, even if it was completely empty of everything else, the fireball could not have fit in there. I was just like, we got nothing on us. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, bro. And I just like turned around and kept walking. <laughs> That's the like, correct response. Just, just fuck off. Like, and, and I was like, I was coming up on a mushroom trip and I was like already kind of feeling myself. And I, that was like the coolest power trip. I was like, I grabbed your hand and I was like, I feel so cool right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you got to handle these people like that, but that that's awesome. Yeah. 
that's a that's a great story, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, you, you dropped all your crap up in the lobby with uh, Karen Ann, and then just bounced at the casino, and they tried to storm you, and you're like, "What are you talking about? I got nothing." Yeah, I, I so got shit. Just, yeah, and they were absolute assholes to you and mm-hmm. your girlfriend or your uh, Caitlin, and um, yeah, you made them look stupid, and I love that. Sorry. Yeah. And that the funniest part is, is we were headed to the security desk. Like we were literally going to talk to them. Like we wouldn't like that was our only reasoning for entering the casino floor because we were on our way to the security desk to check the lost and found. So like we literally had to like walk away from this mob of security guards to the security desk to talk to other security guards. And they kind of like meandered over and like followed us and kind of like stood around while we were talking to them. And I was like, it was such a weird thing. Cause I was like asking cops for help while just pissed, like being all anarchist right. badass and like telling these other cops to piss off. Um, and then, and then two of them literally like followed us and like walked us back out of the the casino floor and while we were walking this like drunk dude standing at the bar was like yeah get him out of here <laughs> so it's like no idea what was going on yeah. i just laughed i was like because i i would have done the same shit if i was as drunk as he was <laughs> <laughs> he's probably just shit posting in real time yeah yeah right <laughs> i i dig it i'm a fan of the shit posting you know yeah, yeah. so i'm curious well. What what made you uh, what made you want to dive into the wonderful world of podcasting? That's probably a hilarious story, and I'm going to get made fun of for this, but I'm going to tell it anyway because it's good quality content and it's nice. honest. And so I like being honest. I'm a strong proponent of being transparent and honest. So uh, my wife and I got married in 2015, and then 2016. We or before that, we moved to Louisiana, but 2016 was the Trump Hillary thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just looking like, let me just backtrack. I'm going to give a tiny, tiny backtrack here. Um, backstory AMA hit, um, ACA or Obamacare. Um, yeah, the Affordable Care. Am I low? Am I is my volume low? No, you're good. Okay. Yeah. ACA, Affordable Health Care Act. It hit, and I was making ten dollars an hour. My wife was making minimum wage. We just had a brand new baby, so we are the people that that's supposed to help. And we got absolutely crushed in taxes because they started taking all of our refund. You know, mm-hmm. they, we couldn't afford healthcare taxes, and we had to file that paperwork because the IRS holds a gun to your head, immorally, in the worst possible way, to extort extort money from you, and. So we had to fill that information out, told them we didn't have health care, blah, blah, blah. They took our taxes for like four years. I was freaking livid. And then we get to the Trump-Hillary thing. And I'm like, both of these are terrible. Is this where we're at? Like, I've been out of politics for 20 years. I come back because you done pissed me off. And this is it? <laughs> this is what I have, these two? This can't be... This can't be the end result here. I need right. something else. And so then we got into libertarianism and we st- I stayed pretty quiet for a while, just kind of, uh, you know, feeling it out, feeling out the libertarian party, understanding what was going on to a certain degree. And thank God that the mandate was lifted. 
was not lifted when it should have been, and the whole thing should have been repealed, in my personal opinion. And we're still not there, but here, here. you know, here that's where we're at. And so I got super pissed off, and then I calmed down. I got back into politics because I got mad. And then last year during 2020, I live in Mississippi. Okay, I'm from mm-hmm. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I live in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, COVID hit, and the government decided they were going to just absolutely put full throttle on authoritarianism and ty- tyranny, especially in your state, David. Uh, yep. I try not to hate people. I try not to hate people because I love people, and I understand that they make bad decisions, and sometimes not intentionally, but – you're allowed punch. to hit Andrew Cuomo. Okay, I want to punch him in the throat like I'm, I'm many times. I hate that dude. I hate him. I would say punch him in the dick, but I don't know that he has one. <laughs> me either. Whitmer's another one, and then Gruesome Newsom is another one. Them three really stood yeah. out to me. I know that New okay. Mexico's governor was god-awful, too. And hmm. so I was livid. We, we were locked in for like two weeks. I still went to the gas station because I didn't really need anything. I'm just anti-authoritarian by nature i'm a rebel and so i'm like all right you're not gonna tell me what to do i'll go to the gas station and buy an energy drink (laughs) i don't even drink energy drinks i'll just go buy something just because you're telling me i can't leave Mm -hmm. so i still kept going but i played by the rules a little bit for about two weeks and then we were pretty much wide open from there but what i watched happen around the country freaking pissed me off to like a nth degree i was so mad I was so mad. I was boiling. I was ready to go just fly across the country with no money, protests in every single state, get arrested everywhere. I was brutally mad. And so I started doing what I could and what I could do at that moment. I can't do much in New York or Michigan or California or New Mexico from Mississippi. But what I could do is post crap online and hope it would get shared. And so Mm -hmm. I started sharing stuff and then Facebook started locking me down. Mm-hmm. And so I said, all right, I need an alt account. I need to not be harassed by big tech or in some way. If I get locked out again, I need to be able to, to post because a lot of people are listening to what I'm saying. I started posting under my personal account, Noel, and and things were like getting more than anything I've ever done before. And mm-hmm. I'm like, holy crap, this is amazing. All right. During the Drew nice. Jorgensen campaign. Right. Yeah, and so then I got locked out, shut down put in Zuckerberg jail, whatever you want to call it. So I created the alt account Cajun Libertarian so I could meme dump and and, and have another outlet to try to do something, anything. Mm-hmm. Because again, we're not suffering. We weren't suffering here in Mississippi. There's a lot of companies that did for that short time, but I wasn't, and I was still very pissed off. And yeah. the Cajun Libertarian brand mm-hmm. just like freaking <clears throat> blew up out of nowhere. <clears throat> I was never expecting that at all. I was literally just an angry person who wanted to just dump all over the government as much as I could because I already hated him in the first place. And now you've really, really made me angry. And so that's just part of my character. If you make me angry, I'm going to get very passionate about it. I'm not submissive. I'm not passive. I'm just Mm -hmm. right there. And I started just making memes and dumping them and the Cajun libertarian brand, like the profile This is a personal profile. Still is. I still got four point something thousand friends. And I still post on it, but I've got the page now as well. Mm-hmm. And so I did this one thing, this one live video with a guy, and we were just kind of talking about libertarianism and what we thought some stuff that we could meet on in the middle 
with a lot of people like, how can we just agree on these few things and then we can move forward and have the rest of the discussions of the broad umbrella that is libertarianism. And there's a bunch of people in the comments. I'm like, what is going on? Why are you watching this? I, am, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm sitting here. I was literally sitting on an ice chest with a flipped upside down coffee table and my <laughs> cell phone. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? And they're like, oh my God, are you please going to keep talking? Just, just, I'm like, I wasn't even trying to do this. I was like, all right, we'll try something. And I did another interview the next week. And again, I'm, I bought a ring light off of Amazon because mm-hmm. I was looking terrible with the, the iPhone 5 shading or iPhone 6. I'm sorry. Uh, truth be told, I have an iPhone 7 now. Sorry. I'm just not that caught up. I'm a poor. But at that point, I had an iPhone 6. <laughs> and the value, the quality, the sound quality, video quality was absolutely god off. I was like, let me try something. I'll buy a cheap ring light from Amazon. And I'm sitting on an ice chest with an upside down coffee table with another ice chest just so that I could rest my elbows on something, you know, and give my back a break because I'm sitting mm-hmm. with nothing behind me. That's the reason why they had that set up. And I did one interview, and then the very next interview I had, um, oh, my God, I'm losing my mind here. I had Bobo Sims on the very first one, and then um, I had Princess Rivulet on the second one. And then at that point, I just put put some money together. We we started getting our tax and STEMI money in, and then mm-hmm. I bought a you know, a, a little bit of a better setup where I had like a stool and a ring light and a cell phone. So I was still doing the same thing. And I had Eskimo Libertarian on and it just blew up from there. So the funny thing about the podcast situation is I hadn't, and this is, this is where y'all are going to make fun of me and that's okay. I, I didn't know what a podcast was, even though I was actively doing one. <laughs> I, I had heard the term podcast. Yeah, I know. I know it is what it is. This is, this is my life. <laughs> I heard the term podcast. I had no idea what a podcast was. And, and, and for you, if anybody's questioning this, you can go back and comb through those videos, like the first three or four, and you're going to hear me say, I'm not sure what I'm doing here. We're it's a, it's a show, a podcast, an interview. I'm not sure what any of this is, but here we are. And let's keep going. I didn't have a name. I was just calling myself the Cajun Libertarian. I said, I don't have a name for the show. I don't even know what this is. It's a show. It's a podcast. It's a video. I don't know. A program. But we're going to keep talking to these people because it's very valuable to me. And um, that, and now we're, we're here, which is very odd because I probably still don't know what a podcast is. And now I host one <laughs> like freaking 50 times a week. And that's, so that's the story behind great. the podcast. I love it. I love it. I, it's it's great when people uh, you can tell when someone is trying to be like famous through what they're doing, and then when someone came up just naturally, like accidentally, and you definitely give off that vibe of like the like, wait, I don't. What's going on here? Why am I famous? Why do people know my name? This isn't supposed to be happening. <laughs> and it's just it's so much more genuine. And I think people people prefer content from those kinds of people. I agree. I think that that's probably the biggest sell, if that's the right word, um, in this mm-hmm. whole brand. The, K- the Cajun Libertarian brand has been very organic, been very genuine. I care very deeply about what it is that we do. And it just seemed to click. It seemed to work. I know a lot of people like the name. 
Again, I didn't pick the name out of any intentionality. I just am <laughs> half, I'm half Cajun, half half Spanish, and I'm a libertarian. And Eskimo can tell you this too, because I was like, let's just do the Cajun Eskimo show. I don't want to even think about any other names because I don't want to overthink crap. If I start overthinking it, then I'll be trying to make it the most amazing, freaking illustrious BS in the world. <laughs> and so everybody's like, well, how'd you come up with the Cajun Libertarian? That's how. Because if I give it more than 15 seconds of thought, I'm going to try to create this novel uh, like the Jack Casey Royal Green.com terrible series. Do not buy that from Amazon.com. Oh. No. <laughs> sorry, sorry, that's not supposed to do. This is not my show. Um, <laughs> but that's how I came with the name. It was like, I'm just I'm, I'm Cajun and I'm libertarian, and let's just land with that because uh, if I keep going with it, we'll just get, it'll it'll spiral out of control. So everything's very simple, everything's very organic, everything's very genuine, and I've got the opportunity in the stage uh, for whatever reason. And I tell people on my show all the time, I feel like this is an elected position because there's a lot of people that do all the right things on the internet and it doesn't work for them. And I don't know what to say. It worked for me. And so I'm not going to take it lightly. I say that all the time, but I know this is a, a hopefully a brand new audience. And, and I mean that wholeheartedly. I don't take any of this lightly. This is very important to me. I have three children. And when I saw the writing on the wall of what was happening in the summer of 2020 due to uh, these tyrants, which was already spiraling out of control in my life personally. Mm -hmm. And I saw it absolutely escalate the second they thought they could power grab. They went full throttle and you can't do that with us. You can't. We're very, we're very rebellious people. And I mm -hmm. care very much. I call everyone in America, uh, my American brothers and sisters. If you're, a, if you've immigrated here legally or you've just crossed that imaginary border and you're fortunate, fortunate to be here then hallelujah praise god i'm glad you're here uh we could unless you're from ohio okay then, yeah, we'll, then you're not we'll ask ohio well, <laughs> <laughs> hey i shit on ohio all the time so it's pretty funny yeah. it's the best state to shit on it's just it's just a terrible state wow. I, I mean you got a terrible you know prominent football team i'll say that because as you can see right nope yep Go Tigers. Anyway, there's that. Yeah, I, anyway, I, I'm very passionate. I'm very genuine. And I think that that, I think that that resonates with a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Eskimo, Eskimo does a good job of, of capturing a lot of that too. She's, she's another one where, you know, she's, she doesn't seem like she's trying to be someone. She's just trying to, to help people and put out content and platform people mm -hmm. and inform people of what's going on. 100 percent. She teaches me shit every single day that we're in a clubhouse room together. I'm like, wait, I didn't know about that. Yeah, it's pretty and again, crazy. like I consider myself a history buff, and she's okay. teaching me about history. And I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She well, I mean, she's you know, an extremely brilliant person. Uh Eskimo Libertarian Cajun Eskimo show, quick plug uh, Muddy Waters Media. But yeah, Eskimo uh Libertarian is quite brilliant. She is a chemical engineer. Uh, mm. She does vast amounts of research, like a ridiculous amount of it. If, <laughs> and she makes fun of me. All and, and Ashley's in the comments now. She's a huge teammate of mine, her and Carly Rose. And my wife is there as well. Um, but And they can tell you, uh, Eskimo does this. 
you should see, we share a Google drive, right? Because we co-host the show. And so she has this Google drive that she created and she shares with me and she'll have this like amazing amount of notes, detailed court cases, precedents, citing law. And it's just incredible. And I'm looking at it like, I'm not, I'm not even going to try. I'm not going to try to compete with that. You know, no, I'll just wing it. That's what I do anyway. <laughs> and so that's kind of like our, you know, back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what Eskimo goes through to fit to flesh out the uh, the law and the historical accuracy of what goes, especially in Alaska, you know, big time Alaska. But it is quite quite amazing. I love how she says it that uh, she's the brains of the show and you're the beard. <laughs> that's that's accurate. Right. Yeah, that's accurate. I, I'm so, not. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna. I was gonna shoot off to another topic. So finish yeah. your thought. No, 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 I was just gonna say that's accurate. It's not that I'm an unintelligent person. It's just that she does this vast amounts of research, and mm-hmm. I'm more of a like, just give me a couple of topics, and then I would just run with it to the best of my knowledge. And it it, it plays. the The two of us play really well together, and it works mm-hmm. out very much so on the on the podcast. She's extraordinarily educational. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so speaking of like her and Ashley and Carly and everything, uh, you know, you've been able to establish a, like really fantastic social media presence and you know graphics and been keeping up with you know video editing and 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 everything, putting out really professional content. And I know that has a lot to do with the team that you have behind you. Yeah. So I'm, I want to talk a little bit about how you were able to find your team and then how you're able to keep them so on point and reliable as volunteers because that's something that a lot of us in the movement struggle with. That's a very special question. So, and again, I'm I'm not lying, not even to any sort of degree. You can go back through all of my posts, which y'all won't because there's so many of them, but I I shout out to my team often Mm -hmm. all the time. I would not be here if it wasn't for my wife first, because again, we have, a house of kids. Two of them are under five. So there's no way you'd ever know who I was at all if it wasn't for my wife first. And then my team second. Uh, again, you wouldn't know who I was at all if it was not for my team. I just happen to be this black bearded Cajun that gets to sit in front of the microphone and ch- crack jokes and do the best that I can to push the liberty movement. And that's awesome. I don't take it for granted. I, I love every second of it. But the fact of it is, is that I've got people like Carly Rose that when I started my page three, four months ago, uh, it now has it's closing on 10,000 followers and 9,000 likes. Uh, a lot of that's due to the fact that Carly Rose will go through my notifications and she will literally go through every like and every comment and every share and invite every one of those people. That's an amazing situation. Carly knows me from prior to Cajun Libertarian. And so she, she knew me from other groups of Liberty in the Facebook arena. And well, yeah, just the Facebook arena. Cause I didn't even have Twitter. I just got Twitter and Instagram set up a couple of months ago. But mm-hmm. so when, then you have Ashley who's in here now, she set up my entire website. She set up all of my merchandise. All I was doing was hitting the approve button. And then Carly's, uh, boyfriend Brian handles almost 100% of my MeWe account. He posts there every day. He handles all of that. 
And I think number one to it, I, don't, I really only have one answer to that question when it comes to how do I keep my team of volunteers at such a high level and appropriately engaged is that they too see the genuine and the authenticity mm. authenticity. And most of it, to be honest with you, is me asking them, what do we need to do here? And then Caitlin <laughs> jumped in on the team and she's like, mm-hmm. do this, do that, do this. And we're all like, F, yes, we're doing it right now. So a lot of it <laughs> comes down to being what I would consider the correct leader. And what I mean by the correct leader is I asked them what we should do because I do feel like they are smarter than me. Not necessarily smarter in some senses, but they Carly knows how to work the algorithms in Facebook. Ashley mm-hmm. runs several businesses on her own. They're vastly more knowledgeable in this arena than I am. So I asked them, like, you know, you tell me what should we do here? And if we can't come, if we can't deduce to the correct answer, we're going to go find somebody who's going to give us the counsel. And then we're going to say yes. I, I rarely ever tell my team no because I trust them. And I think if you're asking, honestly, how do I keep such a phenomenal volunteer team so engaged and active on an hour-to-hour basis? You should see our freaking group chat. It's ridiculous. Uh, it's, it's all the time. Ridiculous in a good way. We're always talking, always communicating. And that's because of good leadership on my end. And that good leadership is divine, defined by um, you tell me what we should do. And then let's do that. I just set certain parameters. I'm a Christian. I'm a family man. So I don't want like the word F-U-C-K in my post. I don't want nudity in my post. And that's not for everybody. You know, post your your, your goofy uh, graphic stuff. I don't care about that. Mm-hmm. But if, if my face is on the profile picture, then there's a couple of standards that I wish to maintain. And I don't okay. want a bunch of cussing and I don't want any nudity at all. I don't want women sexualized. I don't want men sexualized. So I set a few standards. That's really it. That's really it. Other than that is, Hey, what do you think? I will, my memes that I make eight out of 10 times, I send them to the group. Like, what do y'all think? Is this good enough? And they're like, yes. I'm like, I don't think it's good enough. I don't think it's good enough. They're like, it's freaking great. Post it. I'm like, all right, I'm going to post it. Like pretty much my team tells me what to do. I just That's sit here. Great. I hit the approve button. That's it. I love it. And if you guys are, if you guys are sick of that and you want to follow someone with, without standards, then then, uh, give me a follow. Uh, Cause, cause I, I cuss all the time and sexualize everybody. So, you know, it's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's it. Uh, Yeah. I mean, you're, you're touching on a really key point there though. You know, the, a big, big part of success is knowing when to ask for help. And, you know, I've actually, I've talked to a couple of people on your team. I actually uh, talked to Nalik a little bit today about, about that we were going to do the show and that this is what I wanted to talk about. And, and that's something that, that I heard from everybody else was just that, you know, you know when to ask for help and people are willing to give it. Yeah. Because you're a great guy and people see that. And so, yeah, when you when you ask for help, people are willing to do it. And I think a lot of people, uh, you know, my, my background is in sales. And so we like try to just grind into people not to assume the no. And I think that's something that unless you're in sales and you've had that like beat into your head, uh, and even me who's been 
in sales for a long time and had that beat into my head. I still suck at it. Where it's just like, oh no, they they won't they won't help me. Like they're they're too busy. Um, oh no, they they do this professionally. They wouldn't want to like do this for free and just help me out real quick. But in reality, like a lot of people in the liberty movement, especially if they're good at the thing and they like the thing are going to be willing to put a couple of hours a week into helping somebody that they care about and that they want to see succeed. And so if you've built a relationship with someone and you think that, you know, that they care about you and your mission, uh, ask them for some help. You know, if they're, if they're a CPA professionally and you're about to run for office, you need some help with your, with your treasurer stuff, like ask them, they, they're better than, than the person they're, that person is going to do the job better than the, the person that you think is going to say yes. Also, something else I'll add here. Because like you get the pros, get the people that know what the fuck they're talking about, ask them, and then we can all actually run a professional enough shop where we can start paying our pros. Yeah. Yep. No, quite. And, and we're working towards that every day. I had mm-hmm. that discussion today. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, just had a discussion today. Like once we get done with the fundraising for the Mississippi LP and the 501c3 that I used to work for and I graduated from a drug and alcohol rehabilitation center and then went to work for them. And a lot of our funds from the Tunica event are going to help that organization out. Uh, Mercy House Team Challenge in Jackson, Mississippi. Oh, man, I know that mode. I'm just it's like repetitive, right? You know how it is. And so oh, we're yeah. almost done with that. As soon as we get done with that. Before we have our next libertarian movement or liberty movement and helping out another organization, my plans for all the sales is to start paying my team. It's not going to be much, you know, it's, you know, 20, 50 bucks a week, a month probably, but I want to give them that money. We just had that today. So everything that we are able to raise after the Tunica event is going to go towards the team. And they're, they're, they're exceptional exceptional and i think you you hit that just right know when to ask for help know who to ask for help that's a big deal you know i started with one my wife and then i started with two carly rose and then we brought ashley and boy kenneth fislaff i need to give him a huge shout out too um big big deal yeah he's uh got some things he's indiana's doing big things big things and so he's wrapped up in that right now. But Ken to Fitzlaff, I needed to give him a shout out too. I'm sorry, but uh, he was—he's been a huge, huge, absolutely huge player in the Cajun Libertarian brand. Yeah, and uh, actually, I just had a conversation uh, day before yesterday with uh, Lauren Potzler from uh, People for Liberty, and we're having a, a similar conversation about the like how, how much we hate the volunteer culture in the, in the LP and, and how much we want people to get paid and, and how much just better a culture is if we're able to like actually reward people like for their work tangibly. And, and I'm really excited because the movement is, is going in a way where, I mean, at this point I actually have a couple dozen close friends who are full time, like paying bills through the movement. And that that's a thing that wasn't that didn't exist when I joined. Like when I when I joined the party, everyone I knew was a volunteer. We were all just kind of like it was a hobby for half of the people that I knew in the party. And 
part part of that is a difference in perception for me because I'm you know a little bit deeper into the movement and I know some more serious people that that are doing this more seriously now than yeah. when I joined. But also, there's just a lot more opportunities, and you know, hopefully, I'm also trying to be able to start paying my team here pretty soon, and and you know, having people help me with graphics and stuff like that more consistently because I fucking suck at graphics, dude. Yeah, I, I'm good at the graphics when it comes to promos. And then, um, then uh, if I didn't mess up another shout out, so I got to give that one. So when you watch the intro video that I play for my show, mm. that was done by Tony Mo. And you mm. know Tony Mo. He's FSA. Yeah, he is. Tony Mo, exceptional human being. I love mm -hmm. him so much. And uh, yeah, he created my intro video. And he's going to be re-editing that intro video uh, here in the next couple of weeks to just put some new interviews in there Do the same song awesome. same kind of background stuff like that nothing really just you know changing it up a little bit maybe put spike in there like uh larry sharp Donald rainwater hannah mm -hmm. cox and libertarian redhead you had isabella oh, yeah. riley in yours i had an isabella riley on the show as well oh um, she's great yeah yeah fantastic very smart very smart mm -hmm. but yeah tony Moon, big shout out big shout out oh yeah oh yeah uh yeah, there there are some really fucking talented people in this party and in this That's movement. Right. Uh, I even, you know, people people that have been following me for any amount of time can tell that like the the this piece of the logo is a lot different. It used to be like just this really shitty, ugly like how like it, it was just it was just like kind of you and the where the flame is was just white and it was boring as shit. And even just that. Uh, I, I had my friend Arizona help me out with, and I just sent him like, can you make this look cool? And, and he did. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I felt like it was like, it was like buying like a brand new pair of shoes or whatever. It's just it's like a whole new, whole new makeover just because this one little corner of my promos are so much better. <laughs> it matters. Right. And the, the more we do that and the, the more professional we get, as a movement, the more we can market accurately and actually compete with the, the propaganda that we were talking about earlier. Absolutely. And what I would say is um, if you're looking at starting a show or a podcast, obviously David's been doing his a long time, way, way longer than mine. He's way better at this than I am. But if, if you're looking at just trying to get into the business and put your feet in the water, copy somebody you like. Uh, I, I stole some ideas from, well, I saw a lot of ideas from Brian Nichols. Uh, we are Libertarians podcast. I stole a ton of ideas from Muddy Waters Media with Matt Wright, the writer's block, and, yeah. and Spike Cohen, who doesn't need to be met. I'm at Spock Conan. Uh, the other guy with the blue check is irrelevant. So I love him very much. And we, we shit on each other a lot because uh, it's just our relationship. Oh, freaking mm -hmm. phenomenal. I am so proud to have Spike at the head. I feel like he's at the head of our movement. And I wouldn't want anybody else. That dude is brilliant. I could yeah. never get on his level. And uh, I'm just super proud to be associated with that dude. But <laughs> if, you, if you're looking at starting and formatting any sort of show or podcast like this, copy somebody that you like. Steal some stuff from them. I'll be dead honest with you. I stole a couple of ideas from my solo show when I don't have guests on from freaking Matt Walsh, who I had to shut off. I couldn't listen to him anymore. Right. There was a couple of like pieces of it, like the format of his show. I'm like, damn, I really like that. Yeah. I really like that. And so I stole that, but I, it got to a point to where I couldn't listen to his show anymore because it was just not good for my mental health and 
good. I'd struggle with some high functioning anxiety and uh, haven't had any panic, panic attacks in a long time. But so when I find something infiltrating the wrong part of my soul for too long, mm. I just got to step away. And, and as much as I enjoy some of the pieces in the way that Matt Walsh sets to show up, I, I can't, <laughs> obviously yeah. I don't, I don't even, I don't think I, I need to go into the reason why I just, yeah. I can't listen to him anymore because I'll be screaming in the truck. Like anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll definitely, I'll definitely echo that when I, when I started the show. So originally I was, was doing solo shows. And so I pieced, I pieced what I wanted that to be kind of like was a mixture of like the daily show with Trevor Noah and um, the Patriot Act with Hassan Minaj, which both of those are people like that I very often disagree with on quite a, quite many things. Um, but the way that Hassan did like deep dives into you know forty five minute episodes into one topic, and it wasn't kind of this like current events like like hot button issue kind of bullshit that most most shows similar to what what we do are. Uh, so I, I liked that and I liked the the graphics and how engaging it was. I thought that I could copy that at least a little bit without yeah. having any video editing skills at all. And so if you go back to some of my old episodes, the graphics are, are, are horrible, but the info is good. I, I, I'm still pretty proud of, of some of my, my first episodes because I, I used to do like deep dives into legislation. So I would, I would like read the 15 page bill and, <laughs> and like, like piece it all out and then just like explain it in layman's terms for people. So they actually understood like what's getting voted on in Washington this week, because it's not what you think it is. Uh, and so, but, but as far as like the interview stuff goes, which I've been doing now just interviews for a little over a year, it's, you know, I've watched a lot of, uh, I watched a lot of Joe Rogan and actually I watch a lot of like just late night shows like um, Craig Ferguson is one of my favorite hosts. Like, he just has a way of engaging with people and, and making the mood change and, and just kind of having that, that just like rock in a conversation and like never, never letting it really get awkward, even when it gets really, really, really awkward. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just a big fan of that. And so I've, yeah, I can definitely echo it. Yeah find some people that you like and, and try to copy some of it and piece together a couple different shows and then, and then find like the one, the couple of things that you add that no one else does. Absolutely. And not everybody's going to want to show. So I, I would say this, there, there are some great models for whatever it is that our particular comfort zone and our particular, particular talents and gifts and stick is, I don't like to use that word, but sometimes you need that. Yeah, John Oliver has a great setup. Yeah, I, he's, he's obnoxious, but uh, but yeah, it was another person that I've grabbed good, a lot from. Good construct. I will encourage everybody, if you hate or dis, have great disdain for the messaging, try to bear with it and, and ignore some of that because that's what I had to do to listen and again, John Oliver rarely agree. Trevor Noah's in the same category with Matt Walsh for me. I can't do Trevor Noah. Uh, same thing. Him, Trevor Noah and Matt Walsh are essentially the same thing to me. 
it's so destructive to me <laughs> because the lies. Oh my God, I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the the for, again going back to structuring and formatting and construction. What it is constructing. What it is that you want to do as an activist in the liberty mm-hmm. movement. You don't have to be involved. I'm, I'm not talking to you, David. You know that. But uh, yeah. the people watching, uh, mm-hmm. find your find your niche. Find your your skill. Find your talent. Find your job. Find your passion. Yep. And then go find somebody who does it better than you. And then you just start to steal from them. And as you open that up, you'll see a lot of people like, oh, my God, I, I might I might can't stand 90 percent of what that person does. Mm-hmm. But there's a five to 10 percent of something that they do subjectively. And I'm like, oh, yep, I got them. It's a copycat league, people. It's politics. Uh- Hundred percent, and yeah, like like you say, this goes for for every piece of activism, because there are people out there being successful at what we're trying to do. You know, there there are successful activists, there are successful protests, there are successful uh, legislative pushes, there are successful shows like John Oliver. You know, he's getting watched by millions of people. So clearly, they're doing something that people like. So let and and that work, you know, the love them or hate them, the DSA has accomplished things politically in America over the last decade because they've been working for a decade, which is something not a lot of people understand. Like they didn't just pop up out of nowhere in 2016. They put in some fucking work and it worked and they're they're doing some stuff. So there is nothing wrong with looking at the people you hate and saying, I need to do, I need to copy 80% of that because that's the, what's working and just change the part where they're being authoritarian pricks and, <laughs> and misinforming people and pushing propaganda and dividing the country and making the world a living hell. Let's change that little 10% of what they're doing into libertarianism. Amen. And hey, women. Uh, look, I, I said, <laughs> sorry. I, uh, I, I will say this too. Like, that little piece of information that David's talking about right there that we're, we're talking about is, is so crucial in our everyday interactions, specifically online, but with other people, because when we can, when we can look at people that we cannot just cannot politically align with or feel philosophically get on board with, and we can say, you know what, you know, I may probably hate the vast majority of what it is that you say, but there's some things that I like about how you do what you do then you begin to humanize people again and yeah. we begin to look at people on the internet and in our daily lives and say, you know, I, I'm going to listen to what you have to say because I, I may not agree with a bunch of what you say, but there's probably a space where we can come together on and I'm going to actively work for that space as opposed mm-hmm. to finding every reason not to. Amen. Amen. And amen. <laughs> uh, and, and, and a great example of that is uh, when I'm in New York City specifically, I have more connections in, in New York City, even though I haven't been there uh, very much at all over the last year and a half. When I'm there in the political arena, or even uh, when I was in New Hampshire during the, the Democratic primary, the, the fact that we have similar passions, even though we're on complete other ends of everything, I've had some really fucking awesome conversations with like Joe Biden staffers 
like at a bar in, in New Hampshire, like during the primary, just like we happened to meet up. They have a they have a pin on their shirt. I had a Tulsi pin on. They're like, oh, hey, you're here for the primary. Where are you from? I'm like, New York. They're from like, you know, North Carolina or some shit because no one in New Hampshire is from New Hampshire during a during primary season. Uh, the, the population of the state of New Hampshire triples <laughs> every four years. It's ridiculous. Uh, and <laughs> it really does. Like, it's crazy. Like, every hotel sells out for, like, a month and a half straight. It's crazy. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, we're just able to talk about, like, uh, you know, I was I was just opening up a phone bank for Tulsi. And so, you know, we had a, a great, like, probably half an hour conversation about, like, what systems we use. And, you know, nothing, nothing that would be considered, you know, breaking our NDAs. Uh, you know, we were pretty careful. And we were also, like, really chill about the fact that we had all signed NDAs. And it's like, you know, you ask a question kind of hesitantly. It's like, can I ask this? And they're like, uh, well, I'll tell you half the answer, you know, because I can't tell you the other half. And, it, and it, it's great. And even though, you know, technically we're political enemies or even, like, in the, in the grand scheme of things, I might actually see them as a legitimate enemy. They might have been, like, fully entrenched into the, the, the establishment. They're a full, like, they're not just a pawn they're a they're a bishop or whatever but we right. can still have a conversation about uh like whether or not yard signs are actually viable political strategy anymore they are for the record in my opinion like i still think they matter do people don't i've 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 been in that argument a lot over the last couple of years because there's a lot of people that you know i mean the amount of money that you spend uh like giving out yard signs if you transition that into social media, you're talking like millions of people reached uh, with, you know, thousands of dollars worth of like Facebook and Twitter ads. There, There's an argument to be made, but I'm still a very firm, like staunch supporter of, of old school politics being still a big part of our campaigns because boomers still vote like no one believes. <laughs> they, they're still out there. They, they care really. about yard signs. Yeah, it's, it's changing fast. It's changing, but the fact of the matter is, boomers still vote more than we do. They do, they do, and so uh, you know, not a lot of them. A lot of them are on social media now, so there's that. But on the other hand, you know, I I heard it a lot, and, and you know, a cr accurate critique is that it didn't necessarily transition into votes. But something that I heard a lot when I was in New Hampshire was that uh, people saw Tulsi as a real candidate over a lot of the other people who, when it's, when you saw the vote totals, were more real candidates, like uh, like maybe uh, Klobuchar or, or uh, Buttigieg, because our signs were fucking everywhere. We had thousands of signs in New Hampshire. We had, and we did the math, like we had them plotted out on maps, like we knew where all of our signs were, all of our yard signs, all of our, awesome. like, we had we had like big like wooden stakes. You can't even see my hands. Uh, we had like gigantic like banner signs that we had in people's yards, and we knew where they all were. And we kept track. We had thousands across the state, and and we were also really good at like checking to see where other people's signs were. And we we had like ten times as many signs as as anybody else. And I heard that at events. It's like, you know, I wasn't sure about her because I wasn't hearing about her online, but I drive around my neighborhood and I see her signs everywhere. So I had to come hear what she has to say. And then no one, no one met Tulsi and didn't vote for her. Yeah, I, uh, that I know of. Tulsi made a massive splash. 
There's some things that we could uh, we could disagree on a couple of them that she's just a little bit too far authoritarian on for. But at the yeah. end of the day, Tulsi made, Tulsi made a splash. Um, she absolutely embarrassed the vice president, the current vice president. It's just anyway. Yeah. I won't go into all that because yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I'm a, I'm a Tulsi fan. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of policies I won't vote for her for, but overall, I'm a I'm a Tulsi fan. Yeah, she's she's great, and she's again one of those people that that you can tell wasn't asking for it and didn't want. She like she doesn't want to be president, but she looked at the other people that were that were vying for it, and not a single one of those people deserved to have their hands on the nuclear football, and she understood that more than anyone else, and and felt called like. I, I had a couple of conversations with her and, and, you know, she would never have like said it outright because, you know, she's running to be the president, right. but you, you know, you can just tell that, that this was something that she felt was her duty and her, her life mission, not like her, what was going to make her famous or like get her a book deal someday. Agreed. I, I think Tulsi's, I, I honestly think that Tulsi's one of those fan favorites. And I think that's why she's very genuine, yeah. very authentic. She had no problems with calling out the Democrat Party, even though she was a part of it and pretty much exiled now, if not already exiled. Uh, she'll never be a part of the Republican Party. She'll probably never be a part of the Libertarian Party. But uh, she was strong in her beliefs, and she was she stood on what she she stood on the ground that she fought for. And I I, I commend her for that. I respect her. I think she's great. And I think that yeah. if you and I would like to sit down and have, you know, several weeks or months worth of conversations about policy and law, we could probably sway in the right direction. Mm-hmm. If, uh, oh yeah. But- she's, she's, she's getting there and she keeps getting closer. Uh, I mean, I saw her move a decent amount on policy just while we were in New Hampshire. Uh, nice. You know, she was, she was a little bit of a gun grabber when I joined her campaign. Yeah. And now she's not. Nice. I got her. I. I mean, she's not quite like recreational rocket launchers like I am, but you know, <laughs> she's, she's better than she was. That's uh, improvement, right? So before we wrap up, I want to give you a chance to tell everybody how they can find you, how they can help you, uh, where and when your show is, both yours and Cajun Eskimo. Give all the shout outs. Go yeah. for it. Thank you. Thank you, David. I appreciate you you having me on here. It's been freaking awesome. I loved every second. I didn't didn't think for a second that it wouldn't be awesome. I knew that we would have a bunch of fun just because we, you know, we talk all the time. So for anybody that's watching that doesn't know, you can find me on Facebook. I have a profile. You can follow that. I have a page that you can follow that really all of my content's on the profile. It's just from <clears throat> promos and, and, you know, boring stuff. But the page is outstanding. It's clicking on all cylinders. The Cajun Libertarian on Facebook. You can also follow me on Twitter, the Cajun Libertarian. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, the Cajun Libertarian. Uh, look, honestly, if you just Google Cajun and then type in L, then you'll find me everywhere. I don't know why. Don't ask me why. But for some reason, uh, Cajun L, Cajun Libertarian, I'm the only Cajun Libertarian in the world. So you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, MeWe. Facebook, and then most importantly, I have the website now because we all know today Facebook is on some new shit for real. And oh hell yeah! I don't, 
I don't know how we're going to handle that. I have, I look, I have still not got that notification, which means I'm probably the guy that they're talking about. I haven't received that notification. So <laughs> there's a high chance that I could be just closed out everywhere. YouTube, the Cajun Libertarian. But if all else fails, CajunLibertarian.com is now the main site because big tech can't mess with my website, CajunLibertarian.com. Everywhere else is Cajun Libertarian or the Cajun Libertarian. But you can get all my merchandise. You can get all my content. We're upload. We're working double time over speed right now to upload all of my content onto the website because who the hell knows what's about to happen. And so Cajun and Eskimo show is muddied waters media exclusive. That's ran by Spike Cohen and Matt Wright. And really that's ran by Tasha Cohen and super fan Sarah, but mm. I got to give those two clowns a shout out. I love them. <laughs> all of them very much, but muddy waters media Cajun and Eskimo show for right now will be at 2 PM central standard time on all of the Muddy Waters media platform. You can catch me on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8.30 p.m. CST. Same stuff, Facebook and YouTube. And I upload all of my content, which is actually I was working on before we, you and I got on, was getting all of my content onto Anchor. Anchor FM will shoot all of my content out to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and basically anywhere that you can catch your podcast. And so that's another great resource that probably won't get shut down. My Anchor account is taking off pretty big time. I'm just floored at the whole situation. And so I got I got a weird amount of listens from from podcast. I didn't realize like I hate I hate audio only podcasts. Like I refuse to I I, I don't listen to them. I never never have never will. Uh it's really annoying. I have a couple of people that I really like that have audio only podcasts, like lines of Liberty only like the only way you can yeah, listen to yeah. them for free is audio only. And it's obnoxious. I hate them. Uh, <laughs> but like, apparently, apparently I'm not, I'm not in the majority there because I just, yeah. I just finally started putting up uh, episodes again. I'd, I'd let my, my audio podcast slack for quite some time. I threw up Caitlin's episode was the first one and I had like 75 listens within like a couple days. I went That's back close. in to, to keep up uh, uploading other ones and I'm like, where the fuck did these people come from? I haven't even promoted this. I didn't even share the link anywhere. It's like and it, it had more listens than the YouTube video had watches <laughs> at, at one point yeah. in time. I was like, what? Yeah, well, a lot of people that can't watch a, a live video, I'm the person that's not sub paying for the subscription to YouTube. So if you close out the YouTube, it shuts it out on me because I'm not going to pay them. Sorry, I'm not. Uh, Facebook nope. live videos, same thing. If you close out the app, you can't watch them. And a lot of people, because, you know, you you like myself, we have an international national reach and there's a lot of different time zones. People can't watch at the same time. And so I have had several people reach out to me like, Hey dude, did it like legit podcast setup because I'd like to be able to listen at work while I'm driving down the road and I won't have to close the app out. And that's what they're enjoying is the fact that they can just put, put it on the Bluetooth, close their phone, throw the phone on the rail on the side and just listen to the podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that I'm glad that people are, are enjoying the content that we're putting out because yeah. I'm having fun putting it out. I don't know about you, but this yeah. is a blast. It is a blast. Yeah, we are very fortunate. I'm sure you know as well as I do. The teams do a lot of the legwork, if not all of it. And you and I just get to sit here and look pretty on camera as best as we can look pretty. 
<laughs> right? The lighting would stop like making me look pink. I'm not sure what's up with my uh, what's up with my ring light here, dude. Uh, I'm, I look orange all the time, and I'm very very brown. So I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's weird. So I, I can't It's whatever. I'm I'm, ex- I'm very very dark human being. I'm, I'm half Spanish, and so it's whatever. I just gave up on it. I'm orange. And I feel it. Look at at this time. I'm just the orange man bag, right? I mean, you've seen you've seen all of the networks. You've seen all of the people. All <laughs> of them. They love to hate on me, Donald J. Trump, because I'm the orange man. And it's just where we're at right now. I mean, look at all the people that come. You've seen all the people that come to my rallies. Everybody comes to my rallies. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. My ring light makes me orange. Oh, <laughs> Well, and with that, guys, thanks so much for watching. Mm-hmm. If you don't already, uh, follow Cajun. His thing's been scrolling around the bottom. Uh, his Twitter, everything else is super easy to find because uh, it's Cajun Libertarian. He said he's the only one. Uh, no one would want to try to question his authority as the, <laughs> the main Cajun. Uh, so, so no one's fronting on that. Uh, thanks so much for watching. Uh, Noel, thanks for coming on. This was great. David, thank you so much, bro. I had such a fun time. And oh, uh, I guess we need to plug when you're coming on. It's very soon. I don't have the date. Anyway, David will be it's on my eight? podcast. Uh, I don't think it's something like that. No, I'm I'm very wrong about that. Sometime like mid mid July. David fight on August second. We'll be on the Cage of the Live. There we go. There we go. Uh, <laughs> thank you. And also, friend. something you forgot to pitch. Uh, the well you you did a little bit the the tunica event if you guys want to help fundraise for that the gofundme link is in the description for the facebook and and youtube videos for this um and i'll also throw it in the in the comments for the twitter so go donate to that help help them out get some people there it's going to be a great time uh i'm hoping to be there i might not be though because i'm starting it um yeah it's it's shaky but we're gonna try so I'm looking forward to meeting you there. Yeah, yeah, same, same. If we can do the, uh, we're going to do the Libertarian Jeopardy live on Tuesday night with Brian Lambert, Spike Co, and my, Matt. Right, bunch of people. If we can get like a bunch of money on that night, everybody can just donate three dollars and fifty cents. Then we'll be able to find David Fight and Caitlin Coven to come to Tunica, Mississippi. So last pitch. I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to. I want y'all to be there. Yeah, yeah, we're we're gonna do our best. But guys, thanks so much for watching. We're gonna be back here next week. We've got Scott Schluter on Tuesday, Spike Cohen on Wednesday. It's gonna be a good time. Until then, keep up the fight. Hey fighters, thanks for watching. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, and support the fight by going to Linktree slash fight for liberty.